0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I mean, I just I just can't believe what I'm about to do. This is the post-game victorious Big East Tournament semifinal edition. Uh, we've got Ben standing from the Athletic back, and of course, Marcus Washington for making the cut. Guys, real quick, I'm going to go over a couple of the stats that I just can't believe we're going to talk about. So Georgetown is now going to its 14th. Big East Tournament Championship game. The Hoyas are 7-6. and six. And to do so, the Hoyas have been underdogs three straight nights. Marquette, Villanova, and Seton Hall in a game where they were kind of winning wire to wire. They got to a pretty big lead. looked like they were quite, you know just holding on. And then they never really let Seton Hall get over the hump. Seton Hall led briefly. Jamarco Pickett had 19 points, but I think more impressive was his defense. Dante Harris continues to play like just a veteran. B.L.E. came to life a little bit late. And for Seton Hall, I've been talking about this all week, but, you know, Mamu was one of the tri Biggie's players of the year. Nothing against him. I don't think there should be tri-players. And Jamarco just really shut him down. Sandro ended up going, you know, eight points, three for 16. You know, it was really Jared Roden that was going for the Pirates. But, I mean, I just, I just can't believe it. I just cannot believe here we are. We're going to the Big East Tournament Championship game. But, of course, we're not actually there. Ben, you haven't been here in a while. Can you believe this?
1: i mean if i say yes then of course that would be lying relative to norm i actually this is not based on having like studied Seton hall or anything i actually thought they were going to win today i mean it does feel like they have the momentum and you see this you know confidence is a good thing right and you can just see the level they're playing with right now and i think i told you the other day that um you know this happens all the time in sports when teams can't get past, you know over and over again cannot get past a certain level and then they finally do, it seems like the house money thing really comes into play, and Georgetown just simply winning a game in the tournament was, you know, something they had not done under Ewing, and you know, it has been a minute in general. So, um, you know, from that point, it felt like, the, especially, you know, getting past Villanova, you know, the, you know, the Giants that they've been lately. So um, I thought they'd win this game, but I'd be lying. <laughs> of course, if I said I'd imagine that Georgetown would be in, in the conference final uh, at any point this season, uh, absolutely not.
0: Marcus are you on my side as far as the biggest part of this game was Georgetown and particularly Pickett's defense of the like I said try player of the year Sandro yeah I definitely think that was the difference they just made him work for everything he was
2: at times he looked exhausted he looked like he was pressing he looked like he had gone to his A B C and D moves and nothing could go consistently for him he was forced into three to four sixteen shooting and And I personally thought on a couple of the fouls, he got bailed out. So, no, I thought that was really, really the difference tonight uh, for Georgetown. And uh, Pickett's ability to play that sort of defense and contribute on offense was just huge tonight.
0: Yeah, and just stay on Pickett for a little bit. I know that, you know, we've done this, it seems like, 10 days in a row now. But one of the things that we always talk about is how we don't really like Pickett going off the dribble. I tweeted something to that effect. And good God, if he didn't just show me that I was an idiot, he did, you know, not going all the way to the hoop, but just, you know, taking one step, getting a little closer, you know, collecting himself. I, I thought, I thought he had the game that you expect a senior level, what we think of Jamarco Pickett to have. And I thought it was great that he got to join post game. Um, let me say two big plays, Ben, that I thought really were decided the, the game. First, we had what I thought was a tough call against Wahab on a block charge situation with Mamu, where Mamu didn't even keep the ball, but it somehow went in. I know they went to review it. Uh, Wahab's feet were in the lane. Um, of course, you don't just only have to go by that. But and then also, Bele finally, finally offensively doing something that, you know, a lot of players can do. Like I just said, picket struggles go into the hoop. Uh, Bele got it and won when it was tied up, and that was pretty much the game.
1: Yeah, I mean they they basically you know they just didn't wilt down the stretch again. I think the confidence thing comes into play, and I guess like um, you know to your point about not feeling like this was going to happen. You know, you you tweeted out and it was you know absolutely true. Georgetown should have been up big time at halftime. They were only up yeah. two points, and Seton Hall was not good to say the least, and they were up a decent amount most of the first half. And then um, I joked to you on Twitter the, the Hoyas were a little too casual uh <laughs> down, down the last few minutes so you're up 2 you're like oh boy okay this is not a great sign but no matter what seton hall did from there you know georgetown continually matched them even when they got it tied uh you know the, the, they made plays like you're talking about with the the belay uh and one uh comes to mind uh harris has the uh the, the drive with a really like high angle uh bank to go in and he later gets fouled hitting uh, shooting a three um and all these things i mean look the, the, you know the Seton Hall played hard. They they killed Georgetown on the offensive glass and all those things. But yeah, Georgetown just did, did what they had to do over and over again. And that's you know that's kind of what I was saying before. Just there's a there's definitely a different feeling going on right now with uh, with this group than we saw most of the year.
0: Can I get selfish for a second? I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast if you didn't go ahead. <laughs> Look, this is awesome, right? Like I assumed because. I wasn't going, you know, all of us have been to the tournament at different times and at the same time, you know, I assumed that they would definitely break their streak and get a win just because I just keep going up and they keep losing and I keep coming back sometimes in the middle of the night. And it's like, okay, okay, they got that win. That's awesome. Great. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a little I I guess jealous is the word that we're not there. I mean, is that wrong? I don't think so. Right. Uh, Yeah, I certainly don't think you're
2: uh, wrong. I thought about it earlier today. I was speaking uh, to a friend of mine saying, you know, I had my whole day mapped out of what I would have been doing if I was
0: there. So, no, I, I feel <laughs> Tell the us. same way Tell us. you feel. Besides getting up well, and eating Pop-Tarts, what would you have done?
2: <laughs> I would have, depending on what was the matchup in Brooklyn, I would have probably have gone to the A-10 oh, and would have spent some time in Brooklyn. And then I would have came back. And there's a couple of places in New York, and I'm not going to give them free advertisement. Um, that I would have stopped by prior to walking down to Madison Square Garden and enjoying the day.
0: Ben, do you remember the last time we were there for the semis? Do you remember what we did?
2: Uh, but earlier, but earlier
1: in
0: the day, you mean? Yeah, I think I, I was I was part of a show.
1: You you were. We went to like, uh, was it Central Park? Yeah, yeah, we went to Central Park and it was like a. Uh, uh group of people that were like doing like tricks and jumping uh jumping over people and they had like I, it, it seemed like 30, 30 dudes lined up in a row probably with like 10 or whatever but whatever it was the guy jumped like he went like full michael jordan from the free throw line like jumped over everybody including you i believe right
0: yeah i was part of it
1: yeah uh and then you were part of watching them lose later uh so um so that was a good time um
0: it was an exciting game, if you remember that Xavier game. But we don't need to break that down. This is all about this is all about the fun. This is all about the love.
1: But by, by, by the way, like one, one thing that's hilarious, I, I don't know if you if if uh, if, if you saw the Ewing post game, uh, Bobby, because you had to go do whatever you had to do. But uh, you know he's talking to the broadcast group, and what's so funny about Ewing is that he doesn't. You know, we talk often about how in post games, especially when they lose he doesn't sort of play along with, like, what you're – like, he doesn't give us much of anything. He doesn't really offer a lot of, you know, insight. The players don't talk. There's a lot of things that can be frustrating. The opposite happens when, when they have some of these wins. He goes off script the other way. And he starts, like, talking smack. He's, like, talking about how was it Mike DeCourcy is, like, Fox, Fox fs one bracketologist, and apparently he claimed that uh, DeCourcy was basically crapping on Georgetown saying they were going to lose. Or get smoked by Seton Hall and, and, and it's it, it's it's sort of the yin and the yang of, of dealing with Ewing that like he just he doesn't he's not polished in the way we expect these coaches to be on both ends and in this case it was fun because he was really animated about uh about this which is understandable he's just excited um but it's interesting just to see you know like I said we, we this was the positive side of him sort of just kind of doing his own thing in these situations
0: isn't that kind of how it is in general when, you know, it's almost like when you get too high, you also get too low. You know, if, if you're going to get so excited, you're probably going to be so upset when you lose. And that's how a lot of the great competitors are. But if you can kind of stay more, you know, in between the 40s, then you're going to be a little bit better after the losses. But this was after a win. And one of the stats, I know you guys know I like to do all these stupid stats. A lot of people don't like it. I mentioned this last game. Is you know, Georgetown just hadn't won three in a row in the Big East. It's just this, you know, it's not this impossible task to accomplish, and they've they haven't been able to do it. They've gotten two many times. This was the fourth time since the pause. They had two in a row, and they got it. And I just think it says everything about this team, but it's also just so crazy to think that Ewing's first three game winning streak in the Big East came at Madison Square Garden. That's crazy. You guys don't think it's crazy.
1: Um, I well, think it's crazy. When's the last time Ewing had a three-game winning streak at Madison Square Garden? What, what where, where was it? Uh, what, what season was the Knicks?
0: Was his last year there '99? <laughs>
2: I don't know. No, I, I think it's one of those things where they showed some stuff going down the stretch, you know, after the COVID pause, and they just got a good draw. And the, they got a Marquette team that was certainly beatable. They had a tough Villanova team that was. Missing Gillespie, and we talked about this yesterday. I thought Seton Hall was the better matchup than St. John. Oh, yeah. And um, now, they didn't win in the fashion that I thought um, they would have because if you had told me they were going to win with 66 points, I probably wouldn't have thought that. I thought they would get it into the 70s and they would be able to run more. You know, I thought for me the strange stat of the day was, you know, they only had five assists on 21 made shots. And that was because they ran so much stagnant pick and roll, and you would think this is going to be the death of this team, that they cannot win a game like this in that sort of fashion, at this sort of pace, at this sort of physicality, and and, and they ended up doing it. And that's, I think, what shocked me the most. And maybe that says something about where they are right now, not only physically, but where they are mentally right now.
0: Oh, if we want to get into things that scare us, I will tell you where I got really scared. I think I might've tweeted it. Timothy Ego F.A. did pretty good in the first half. You know, I would say Ewing stole minutes from him. Okay. And in the second half, he did not cover himself in glory. Uh, Blair had a great find. He just, he went up instead of, you know, dunking it. He kind of just tried to like shot put it, didn't make it. Um, wasn't getting any rebounds. And they came out of the under eight timeout. It was either tied you know, whatever the whole second half was close, right? So I'm sorry, I don't have the exact play by play in front of me, but it, it was really close. It was tied, and he came out with him. And I just tweeted like, "Look, okay, now you know it's under eight timeout. It's like 6:40. You got to just go. You got to. I said you got to shorten your bench to si- to six, which basically means you take ego fa out. It's your starters plus Blair. That's who you got to roll with the rest of the way unless there's foul trouble. And he kept him in, and they almost paid for it. And that was like the one time where I just thought to myself wow, you're really, you're really skating here. What was the moment, Marcus, for you where you just thought, I don't like this. This isn't good.
2: <laughs> the sticking with, with him, it was the foul. Well, the, the rebound. He gets yeah. the rebound. This is after the miss. He gets oh, the right, rebound. Right, right, And he finds a way to turn it over. Yep, yep. And I was just like, why is he out there? And I think I did send you a, a text. I'm not going to go into the text, but yeah, yeah. I, I did send you a text about it. I'm, you know, the same feeling as you get him off the floor. And I I really don't mean that in a bad way, but at that moment, you know, what's at stake and you recognize that he's not part of the combination that's going to get you down the stretch and you get him off the floor.
0: Ben, I know you've been really busy. Washington football news just never stops. March madness for Washington football is actually a thing. The news just keeps on coming. Anyway, So you haven't been watching every second of every game, Dante Harris. Now that you've come back after a little bit, what are your thoughts on him? I I know he was not playing at this level. The last time you were watching games.
1: Uh, I mean, I can't remember, you know, I don't remember what happened yesterday. So I don't remember which games I was on later in the year, but like he definitely started, obviously he was playing better as uh, as, as the season went on and, um, you know, when I, when I keep mentioning the confidence thing, like he's the one in my mind that I keep thinking about, because okay. he really kind of wears it all on his sleeve, so to speak. Um, he, he really seems to be, um, animated out there. And also just like, you know, Blair and Pickett, like to a degree, it's a been there, done that situation as seniors. Um, you know, and maybe they're just more laid back in general. And he really seems to have, uh, picked it up. I mean, he just seems so, you know, so comfortable a- out there. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, it's – I don't want to go back and, like, bring up, you know, last year and people that last – but, you know, they they had, you know, two big-time guards leave to have another guy come in. And I'm not – you know, he's a different guy than certainly McClung, but, like, to have another guy come in um, and and be able to to run the offense. I mean, I think if you go back and listen to podcasts, at least the ones I was on earlier in the year, part of the issue is basically you have Blair and sometimes you have Pickett, but they don't have, like, a third guy ever, right? And now – you know, you talked about, like, things that are sort of weird happening in this in this uh, tournament, like, you know, Belay wasn't playing that well early. I mean, they basically have five guys now, right, that are, um, you know, yeah. playing at a pretty good clip with Wahab, Belay, and, and Harris. So, like, that is, like, such a massive difference from where things were um, before. You know, obviously give everybody, you know, Ewing credit or, or whatever, but however it was that these three guys over the course of the last, you know, 10, 15 games, you know, basically since the – they came back from the COVID pause. uh, It's been, it's been, it's been huge. And, you know, having me looking in this sport, if you don't, you know, Georgetown's big man, you, but if you don't have a point guard, typically, you know, you're basically screwed come tournament time. And they have a guy that can, that can do that job.
0: You know, obviously we've all covered Georgetown and it just seems like to me, and maybe I'm too far in it right now to realize it. So Ben, maybe you could, Provide some perspective, Marcus. I know you've been really involved as well, so you might be too far in it. But doesn't it just seem like winning a few games at the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden? You turn around and everything is Georgetown, Georgetown, Georgetown. You know, last night, you know, you, you know, because they've got Rich Shavatkin. You know, we love Rich, friend of the pod. You know, he's on Sports Center going and in, going into commercials. They come back. You know, the 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 anchors are talking about him. They're counting how many times he says it. It's crazy um you know Ewing has the whole thing where at the end of Patrick Stevens's question he starts going off about how upset he is that James Dolan has hired people that don't know who he is okay it just seems like all of a sudden you know and maybe it's because I don't watch a whole lot of ESPN anymore but then ESPN's doing a segment on that where they're like hey look you're gonna need to let this guy in and then they even took it further and they were like look here's Michael Jordan he needs to get in here here's Larry Bird here's um Kareem you know so it just seems like and then after tonight I haven't really been obviously you know we'll go right to the Post game. now we're doing the pod i'll go watch connecticut creighton you know as soon as this is over but it just seems like man you just go from kind of not really mattering to just mattering on like the biggest stage marcus
2: george is one of those teams that think that everyone wants to matter so now you're grabbing in at it when something like this happens especially with the whole ewing being the coach and the uh the link to jt2 and you know him passing this past year all of that just ties into what is turning into a big-time feel-good story and you know georgetown wasn't necessarily a feel-good story back in the 80s for many reasons that you know is for another time but now i think it's just such a feel-good story because people want them to be good and they they love as much as people complain about blue bloods and this and that and so on and so forth Secretly, you want to see that team from your childhood matter. And it feels like Georgetown, at least in this little stretch here, they matter.
1: Ben. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would just say that, like, you know, we talk, Marcus mentioned the blue butt thing. I think we talked about that one of the last times I was on, with John Rothstein nonsense. Um, he said at one point they're saying they weren't a blue butt or whatever. But, like, he- here's how you know what a, a team like on some level is like a, is a blue blood it's when they even if they disappear for a while when they bubble up everybody gets excited about it right i mean i'm not you know they the you know the new york yankees baseball is better when the yankees are interesting i mean as much as i hated to say it same thing with the dallas cowboys same thing with like a team like the lakers um you know so on and so on and you know you know duke would be one in this sport but like when georgetown is a thing especially with patrick ewing on the sideline the guy who is the you know face of the of the of the thing especially you know now with with you know in the in, in the world where unfortunately you know big john uh isn't with us uh, uh yes of course i mean georgetown it's it's nostalgia it, it it it's it's a memory i mean it's all these things that's why the idea that they're like again we can define that term blue blood in a few different ways and they haven't been so great over time but the reason, you know, maybe it's a different term you want to use, but, but they are a team that people, you know, can I curse on this podcast or no?
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're they're, 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 they're a program people give a shit about. Much more so, especially in this era when, when most of us were complaining that college basketball was way down because nobody knows who anybody is. But we know who Georgetown is and what they stand for typically, especially, again, when that guy is on the sideline <laughs> leading the way. You don't have to know a single player on Georgetown, but Patrick Ewing is there. That's a big effing deal and people give a crap. It's just unfortunately they've been off the off the off the main stage for too long now. And that's why people are excited. Like, oh, hold up. I remember this. This is fun. I mean, even if you hate them. (laughs) I mean, this is even if you're rooting completely against them, it is way fun to root against them. It's how I kinda feel about Duke. I can't stand Duke, but like it's fun to root against them.
0: Yeah. And no offense to schools and teams like Seton Hall and Providence who have done a good job of helping the league while Georgetown's been trying to figure things out. St. John's has been trying to figure things out for even longer. But it's a bit—it's a bigger deal when Georgetown is doing what they're doing compared to if Seton Hall's doing it. Um, and, and by the speak, way,
1: by the way yeah. Bobby, like if, if Connecticut, we're talking right now, I don't even know. I was just scores,
0: about but... to say that, man. Oh, <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I was just gonna say if Connecticut wins one million percent, they're gonna show the Iverson Ray Allen clip eight million oh, God. times. Well, I know it's not a great result. But I'm just saying, but that's the point because that is what that was the Big East. That's what that that's when people talk about the Big East, they remember that they don't remember anything from the last ten years unless you're a fan of uh, you know the recent Villanova stuff or you know Creighton or something. It's that stuff that people that matters and Georgetown matters then. They haven't mattered this time, and that's why. Um, It's fun broadly for people to see them back in the mix.
0: Marcus, it sounded like you were trying to get in.
2: No, we can go on. No, I was going to say with UConn uh, and the Ray Allen thing, and I was going to say the same thing. It's just that you're going to see them meet eight million times. But from this perspective, no one is rooting for Creighton tonight because of that. (laughs) Because everyone wants it to be Georgetown, UConn, saturday night and you know there's a piece of me as a fan i would understand why people would want that with that being said if i'm looking at it from a georgetown perspective i certainly would rather see creighton win tonight than uconn
0: oh yeah no that's easy uh, since the pause <laughs> georgetown's nine and four they're nine and two against everyone else That is not UConn. Of course, one of those losses is Creighton, but they also beat them. So they got that split. Connecticut looked like they were in a different stratosphere the last time these two teams played um, on senior day for uh, the Huskies up there in uh, Gamble. But I did want to say that, you know, I was going to tweet this out yesterday and I decided not to just because you don't know, but it's almost like the Ric Flair to be the man. You got to beat the man. And we all know, Connecticut and Georgetown both have seven Big East tournament championships. That's the most. Okay. A little bit of an asterisk next to Connecticut because they had decided to, well, I guess, they, you know, technically they didn't even leave. They didn't even leave the league. The league left them. But anyway, they weren't in it for a couple of years. They're back while they were gone. Georgetown didn't win one. So they're still tied at seven. But it does seem like, you know, whoever gets eight, they should have to beat the other team to get there. And, You're right. From a competitive standpoint, probably want to see Creighton. But from a, oh, my God, eyeball standpoint, Georgetown, Connecticut will be, even though ESPN doesn't have the rights to the game, it'll be dominating ESPN, right?
2: Oh, it will be. There's no doubt about it, Will. And depending on how games shake out tonight, it could be the most covered game tomorrow. I mean, imagine that. Imagine a Big East final session. That involves Georgetown, a team that people will say is irrelevant, um, has been irrelevant, is going to be the headline tomorrow.
0: Ben, let me let me give you a second to think about this, and I'm going to call myself out. Okay. What do you think sure. you, you've been most wrong about? So I would tell people when this season started and Georgetown was picked 11th, and, you know, there were so many players we'd never seen play before. You know, obviously the freshmen. But then, like, I'd never seen Belay play. I'd never seen Don Carey play. I'd never seen Jalen Harris play. Um, am I forgetting anybody else? You know, so I kept saying that, like, you know, this might be the least talented team. I'm sure I said it on the pod. The least talented team together. They had some good parts, but together since Big John took over. And, I mean, obviously I was completely wrong, right? Because here they are in the Biggie's Championship. They've gone 9-4 and four since the pause. You know, I wasn't even blaming Ewing for this. I just felt like they got caught in a situation where all those guys left and they had, they had a recruit that was a big-time recruit decide to go to Michigan, and it just seemed like they were trying to just get a group of guys together to play out the string, and everyone's looking forward to next year. Can you think of something that you were as wrong on as I was as wrong about this?
1: Oh, uh, There were some fashion, fashion choices back in the 80s and 90s. Um,
0: but Did you pinch roll talking- your jeans?
1: Uh, I, I, there were some. I, I think there was a Gene Short situation there for a while, that really, just kind of.
0: I think I've seen that loud. at Kenner League, actually.
1: Oh boy, that's not. Oh, boy, okay, let's uh, let's hope that's not true. Um, cause that's a little too close to a little too modern. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess I guess what I would have just probably said was when they came back from the COVID pause, like they were not good before, and you figure, all right, well, you know, they haven't been able to practice. Like, you know, how are they possibly improving? Yeah. So I definitely probably was writing them off at that point. So the fact that they have since then been really good, I don't know what the actual record is at this point, but um, I'm sure you do. But, uh, you know, 9-4. and 9-4? and four?
0: I guess what I'm picturing, Ben and Marcus, is I'm picturing being part of the Cleveland Indians ground crew when Major League is starting, you know, and they're always we're, just we're like right. – they you know they're just there like who are these guys and they're they're kind of cursing about them and stuff and, and then at the end of the year they're you know they're playing in the ALCS or whatever
2: <laughs> I know for me I never thought this team just how it's presently constructed could play this good of a basketball with a freshman point guard I just don't think that they're built to have a freshman point guard when you look at what they have and the idea that they've been able to do it and that the point guard in Harris has been able to grow in the way he's been able to grow, playing around seniors and grad transfers. And he's the guy who is making plays the last two days at the end. He's the guy that they're trusting with the ball in his hands at the end and not just giving it to Blair and have Blair run the point guard. He's the guy's making all the critical decisions. I, I didn't see that coming on any level. And had you told me that Patrick was going to allow him to be this, I would have said, oh, so he must be playing all of the freshmen and getting prepared for next year. But that hasn't been the case, and that, that absolutely <laughs> positively shocked me.
0: That's actually a good point, and I know I've talked to Ben about this maybe even offline, is just, you know, I couldn't believe that he was coaching to win every game. And, you know, we got to talk to the players a lot this year, I feel like, like on the in the, the midweek media availabilities, And you'd have Don Carey come on and be like, especially after the pause, like, what'd you do? Well, I was watching, you know, the other Big East games and, you know, I want to see if we can compete for a title. And in my head, I'm like, well, if you're on the team, you should absolutely think that. But then like from where I'm sitting, I'm just like, yeah, that seems like really overly optimistic. And again, here I am being completely wrong. Wait, Ben, did did you give an example of something that you were wrong on? I want you to do that. I need it for my soul.
1: Well, I said like I I wrote them off basically. No, like some from...
0: other sports prediction. I, I just I just I don't I can't remember being more wrong about a team, and not even that they made the Big East final. They ended up going seven and nine. Like I, I thought this team was like five and fifteen material. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just.
1: I, I mean, you know, like you said. I mean, there was no counter League. There was no normalcy. I, yeah. I I couldn't like sit there and go. I had any clue about Belay for one way or the other. Right, right. The fact that he was a non-factor, relatively speaking, in the beginning of the year, that he's now become a much bigger player um, is, 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 is notable. I mean, you know, I always mention the idea of seeing guys over the course of four years improve. Pickett has been that guy essentially now. I mean, Blair has been pretty steady the whole, you know, the whole his whole career. Um, but Pickett has, has picked it up a bit. And, you know, Wahab, you know, look at the end of last year, it was definitely like, okay, this guy is interesting, right? He's pretty raw, but you can see what there's something here. The question is of what kind of progress is he going to make? And not to say he wasn't doing showing some signs of growth over the course of the season, but it feels like he's been much, uh, a much bigger factor, uh, you know, in some games that down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, the, the wrong part was just be just like like everybody else. I definitely did not see them um, uh, doing, you know, ha- having this surge. I mean, th- winning three games in a row in the Madison Square Garden during the Big East tournament is, is notable, but that can be a little freaky. But it isn't just freaky. They were playing well, you know, over the previous uh, 10 games or so prior. So that That showed that they were actually improving, not just got hot for three games.
0: Let me read off three stats. Can you guys let me know which one is more impressive that Georgetown ended up winning? So Kudus Wahab is one of the leaders in field goal percentage in the league. He finished three for nine. The Hoyas, as we know, yesterday were 23 for 23 from the free throw line, a Big East record. Today they were 18 for 25. Not terrible, not great. Can you guys hear that? Okay. Okay. There's like some fight between animals in my backyard. Sorry. Um, offensive rebounds. Seton Hall held a 15 to eight advantage. So, like, I guess, like, what I would say is, like, what did Georgetown survive the most? Did they survive an uncharacteristically um, poor shooting game from Wahab? Did they survive a bad night at the line, or did they escape with getting kind of dominated on the offensive glass?
2: I thought it was three things that I'll even add on to that. I mean, Seton Hall was plus eight points off turnovers, plus 13 in second chance points, and plus 14 points in the paint. Okay. And Georgetown Georgetown still won.
0: Well, I'll say this. The points in the paint one kind of goes along with with Wahab struggling a little bit. Yes.
2: I think it's the free throw shooting.
0: um, Surviving that?
2: Yeah. Surviving the free throw shooting, when you think about it, Uh, that is also one of the things that have changed from the regular season to where we are now. And if you look at it in the Big East tournament, I mean, Georgetown is 16 for 22, 23 for 23, 18 for 25 in the three games. Now, Bobby is, is more of a stat hound when it comes to Georgetown than I am. But I'd like to see when was the last time Georgetown had three consecutive games where they shot over 20 free throws.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah yeah. You're right. And they kind of did that thing that, you know, I feel like when I was growing up, they always talked about how Duke made more free throws than their opponents attempted. That was always something. And I'd always shout back at my TV. Yeah, it's because the refs give them every call. But anyway, you know, Georgetown was 18 for 25, which isn't that good. But guess what? Seton Hall was five for 11 and missed a bunch of front end of one on ones.
2: Yeah, and Willard brought that up at his press conference that oh, they God, they left yeah. some opportunities on the line. Um, I'm not even going to bring up the idea—the the crying over the the, the fouls. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, they did leave some opportunities. But again, and I, I'll say this and until I die, when you play good, hard, physical defenses, especially in college, teams are going to miss free throws even when they're prone not to because you have made them work as hard as they can work just to get to the line. And it wears them down. And you see it in college basketball, obviously, more than you see it in the NBA. But then you see these uncharacteristic stats down the line where you saying, gosh, we are missing a bunch of one-and-ones or we are going one for two at the free throw line in a, in a tight game where we need both. But a lot of that is a cause and effect with good, hard physical defense. And that's where I give Georgetown in a game like this, which was a knuckle fight, um, that they were able to be the one that came out on top in a fight like that.
0: Ben, was there was there one stat, like I mentioned, or is there something else you can come up with that you thought Georgetown kind of kinda survived it?
1: Well, and I think you were saying earlier, like there was a point in the game for you where like, you were like, uh-oh, I'm getting nervous kind of now. Like in the yeah, second yeah. half when Seton Hall was just getting so many offensive rebounds, like I actually for the first time this year went to uh, a certain website that you go to all the time to like keep track of the stats during the game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my Lord, look at the rebounds, offensive rebounds, look at the second chance points. Um, I don't know what it finished at, but it was like 18 to 5 Seton Hall right with like two minutes to go when the game was tied. And I just kept thinking, well, this is going to – doomed Georgetown at some point that eventually Seton Hall is going to put a couple of shots together. Um, You know, they're just going to, you know, sort of knock Georgetown's will, um, uh, you know, out of them uh, by by, by doing this. But obviously that didn't happen. So um, I thought that was, you know, was was big because, you know, typically not always, I mean, it's not like Georgetown lacks size especially with Wahab in there and, and, you know, there's a lot of different stats you can look at, but like, you know, rebounding re- 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 in general is just about desire. And if you're getting smoked that bad on the offensive end, you know, you sort of think the other team's playing pretty hard, which you know, I saying Seaton Hall wasn't. Um, so I, I, yeah, I just thought that was eventually going to sort of wear George down, but uh, you know, obviously they, 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 uh, They hung in there. It is interesting that Seton Hall had that many offensive rebounds and didn't get to the line more because you would just think on some level you get an offensive rebound, have a chance for a putback, and, you know, just sort of the traffic would would lead to more fouls in that scenario. Maybe Kevin Willard was (laughs) saying some version of that.
0: Hey, so I'm going to be honest. I, you know, when you do this kind of stuff, you kind of prepare right? Like I guess in anything, but you kind of have your questions ready. I've got kind of a a rough pod outline ready. So I sound less like an idiot than I might be prone to doing naturally. And it's been pretty reasonable to have an outline ready with, you know, talking about next year and how much did they already accomplish? I haven't for one second thought about what would happen if they win the tournament. I mean, for me, this entire trip to New York city was about winning one game and being very competitive against Villanova. I thought that would that would have been ending on a high note, okay? And I don't think that's even, you know, loser talk. I think that's just looking at what you have and thinking about what would be a real positive with this group. And they're 40 minutes away. I tweeted out there to Patrick Stevens, who I know does bubble stuff. You know, where would they be in a bunch of people? No, I'm sorry. Where would they be seed line if, if they won? It's not that often that teams like Georgetown, you know, steal a bit. I think we, I think we saw Georgia do it one year. Um, I'm trying maybe did Oklahoma do it one year with like Nahara? There's there there's been a couple teams that have done it. You know, I pointed out that before today, Georgetown have been in 22 big East semifinals, and they've been in of those seasons, they've made the tournament 21 times. You know, usually Georgetown's been good historically, and when they've been kind of meh, they haven't advanced in the tournament. They've never made other bubble teams nervous. Well, they're doing that right now. And have you guys even thought about the idea that they can make the tournament? And if so, <laughs> where do you think they'd be seated? Like, are we talking like a 12, a 13, a 14? Like, where, where would they even be seated?
1: I actually was going to bring this up like six different times during this podcast. And every time I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be the guy accused
0: of jinxing anything. So oh, I'm you know what? If, if if anyone thinks I'm jinxing this, they are crazy. I- of course, I, I was
1: afraid. I was afraid you might say that because you know, oh, right now, no. I, don't, I, I don't know where you're. You know, you you know, you you may be dr- thinking to yourself, "Boy, can I get a plane ticket to go to wherever this game is going to be?" Um,
0: Indianapolis.
1: Oh yeah, I guess that's right. Um, well, you don't have to. You can drive there. I I actually drove to Indianapolis once. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, like it's it's this whole bracket is going to be weird. I mean, Georgetown. Like, I mean, they they have good wins, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah. I mean, they're not going to – like, they're not going to be I, – I, I don't know, 13 seed, twelve, thirteen, twelve, 13, 12, something like that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess that's – yeah.
1: I mean, basically at Marcus. the very end of the – you know, wherever the uh, at-large teams go, somewhere there.
0: Yeah.
2: I was thinking 12 seed, and that's only because I wanted to see them in the five twelve 12 game and to see if we get the whole – Here's another 12 that beats a five. Huh.
0: Yeah, that that would that would be something, right? If, you know, the team that basically the last coaching change they made, I think a lot of it was not so much based on how the last two years went, but more an accumulation of even when the, the you know, the seasons were really good, they kept dropping games to lower-seeded teams, double-digit seeds. Even when NC State, which I don't think that is a bad loss, they were, I think, eleven. But, yeah, that I didn't even think of that. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. And another thing that was pointed out to me on Twitter, I think people mentioned it last night, but I had some people tweet at me or whatever, is that there's talk out there that if Georgetown were to win the Big East tournament, one of the teams that could potentially bump out of the bracket is Syracuse, which would just be ridiculous.
1: Well, hopefully, if that were to happen, the NCAA would just actually say that like that like you know hope, like i hope i hope like i like i just hope that would be the case. Have they said what's happening with the ACC tournament by the way? Like are they playing this thing or what's happening?
2: I have yes, no idea. They are they are playing uh Florida State and North Carolina are at the half. Uh, the nose up by 11. Uh so they are they are playing it but Georgia Tech obviously is in tomorrow's finals automatically. Got it. Well,
1: they're taking some big risks, I guess, going forward. But who, the, you know, in this scenario, who the heck knows uh, what to make of any of it? Um, yes. But, but that would be amazing if uh, if uh, Patrick Ewing and Georgetown knocked out Bayham and Syracuse. That would be uh, off the charts, awesome.
0: Hey, if we're gonna talk about college basketball, just in general, can we talk about what happened between Maryland and Michigan today? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yes. I'm not the one to lead this conversation because I haven't seen a whole lot. Marcus, I feel like you were watching the game. Yes,
2: I was, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, and I, I've watched um, – I only saw part of post postgame. I haven't gone back uh, – I only saw part of it live. I'll go back and watch it taped. But I did watch Juwan post uh, postgame. You know, there's this old adage uh, when you're a coach – the one thing you don't do is you don't talk down at the bench. And I think that Turgeon felt like – this is my interpretation. I think Turgeon felt like Howard was yelling down at Maryland's bench when I think that Juwan Howard actually was yelling at the referee. And Turgeon charged Howard. And Howard admitted in the press game when he saw him charge, you know, the part of town where he grew up in, kind of came out in them, <laughs> and and it caused the brouhaha um, that led to Howard being tossed for the two technicals and, um, and Turgeon getting the one technical. But I'll be the first one to tell you, all of this happened because of the first game when they first met up in College Park where Hunter Dickinson not only killed the Terps but chirped at every Maryland player, chirped at the, the Maryland coaching staff, chirped at the Maryland bench, and it was just since then it it's really been tense between those two teams and those two coaches.
0: Ben, I, I saw you tweet that that's like the most engaged you've been with the sport this year, something like to that effect.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, Joan Howard and Turgeon getting into it was the most interested I've been in college basketball this year, probably uh, other than perhaps maybe uh, the scenario that we're in right now. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, fun, fun fact. Uh, in twenty. What year is this? Twenty twenty one? In twenty nineteen, in the fall of twenty nineteen, um, I was in my first like few months of the athletic. We had a um went when back in the time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time in the world where we could all be, get together indoors without masks and not worry about stuff. Uh we the like the five of us, I like, got together at sort of a central location and it was like right off of Route One in College Park. At like some like coffee shop, not Starbucks, but something more local, and we're sitting there um, having a conversation about whatever we're doing, and somebody notices like three tables over that Jawan Howard is like sitting there, and uh, I was like, "All right, well, screw this." So I walked over to uh, to talk to him. Of course, I'm thinking in my head, you know, he's going to give me the one-on-one, and uh, we'll talk about, you know. the the wizards or chris weber in the fab five or god knows what anyway he didn't really want to have that conversation or any but uh (laughs) he was nice but he basically said he was there and i'm assuming he was there for some tournament i want to say that it probably was like hunter dickerson i would guess who i I think and maybe marcus would know this better than me but i think like the whole gist of like kind of what's going on here with with turgeon and 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 michigan is like I guess Maryland like sort of recruited Dickerson and then they kind of bailed, or maybe they recognized he was going to go to go to Michigan. And he seems to be, whenever they're playing Maryland Dickerson seems to be giving them an earful, uh, I guess every time. And Turgeon after the game today was saying he's heard a lot of talk out of Michigan, the last two games to the point that he told the big 10 officials about it. And that if it was going to happen today, he wasn't going to take any crap. And that's essentially why he spoke up. Um, about it. And even on you know, post game, he was, you know, he, as he said, he told basically Jawan Howard not to talk to him and Juwan Howard essentially said, that's what he said, but maybe in, you know, sort of harsher tone. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it was
1: a, a fun moment. I mean, I still asked somebody who was a Maryland fan when I came as well as Georgetown, my one weird sports thing. Uh, I, you know, I, I really could care less about them in mean, the big 10. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not emotionally attached regardless, but like, this was the first time I'm like, all right, Finally, there's some team in the Big Ten that there's reason to get pissy about. And uh, so that was fun.
2: Yeah, it, it probably does sit around uh, Dickinson. I think Juwan has come down here to the Washington, D.C. area. And I believe he's gotten three kids um, out of this area to go to Michigan. And he's almost put the Michigan flag uh, on the beltway to to get some of the better players out of this um, out of this area. And I, I also, and this is not to defend Tersian, Um, I just think he made a mistake in recruiting. Uh he would he made more of a push for the Mitchell twins who are no longer there than he did for Dickinson and 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 he got it wrong.
0: I'll say this. I wasn't watching, I don't really know what happened. I really want that banner comment to be real. That being said, I went to Turgeon's page to look at what he's up to. He doesn't have a whole lot of banners as a coach. Last year they split the Big Ten regular season that's a banner and then when he was at Wichita State they won one of the Missouri Valleys he hasn't ever won a conference tournament so I just thought that was a brave card for him to play against Juwan Howard but that being said I think it would be hilarious if he actually did say it
1: well I would say like it's not like like Turgeon brought it up to deny it before he was even asked about it specifically which I thought was because he said that his basically his uh his SID told him that this rumor was out there. Um, I, you know, it seems kind of silly once you realize it, because the person on Twitter who said he claims he heard it, like none of us, we were all watching TV and none of us heard it. And the, you know, it wasn't like a reporter there. So I don't know who it was, but he, he addressed it. So I'm assuming that was a, a way of sort of acknowledging. Yeah. he probably really didn't say it, but yes, absolutely. You would hope that he, that he said it. And that's why I, I joked during the Georgetown game. Oh boy, Bobby. Joel Embiid is down on the court looking not in good shape. Oh boy. Uh well I'll I'll update you here in a second. Anyway, um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um but uh <laughs> but but I, I joked that because we you could hear Ewing like barking orders oh, to his yeah. players. Oh yeah. And so I joked if 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 Patrick Ewing had said something to Juwan Howard about banners, we would have heard it.
0: Yeah. I just uh it was it was a really cool thing. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it. I had a lot of work to do, but I saw some of the tweets, and then I saw a little bit of the highlights, and just wanted to get to it. Just wanted to turn it into a just general college basketball pod. So I think I think you know I think we've hit everything. Looks like Creighton and Connecticut are in a bit of a dogfight as they near the half. Um, seeing Ben's tweets in real time. Oh no, Embiid. So I guess there's some other stuff. Did we forget anything? Marcus, are you going to be back for a are, are you going to go 4 and 4 just like me? On the on the Kentake corner. I'm going to go
2: 4 and 4.
0: <laughs> ben, are you going to be able to make it back? You got you got big dinner plans?
1: Uh well, you know, to to live up to the name of this podcast, at this point, in this season, I'm only a casual uh podcast <laughs> uh, guest, um but uh I'm going to do my best. I I I it's uh you know, my, my Saturday nights were not exactly rocking in the, in the previous world. In the pandemic world, they are non-existent for socially. So, uh,
2: what? what uh, here's
1: the real question. What time is the game tomorrow? Eight? I really don't know.
0: I think it's 8 or 8.30. I thought tonight's game originally was 7, which I was wrong. I wish it had been at 7.
1: Um, I thought well, yeah, tomorrow's I, I, game was I,
0: at 6.30. I have no idea, Embiid man. He
1: beat is up. He is, he is up and limping off. He, he was writhing around in pain like, you know, the world was ending.
0: All right, let me solve this problem. I believe the game actually might be on Fox. That would make sense. Let's see. The game is at 630 on Fox. Has Georgetown won a game on one of the big networks this year? They, yeah, they beat Providence on CBS. They lost at Villanova on Fox. They lost at UConn on CBS. It's a big game. It's a big one. I don't really know how much I feel about the uh, my 1990s NBA theme song. I, don't think, I think I'm just too old to ever get used to that before college basketball. But uh, we're going to get it. It's on Fox. We love Fox. All right, guys. I think we're going to get out of here. At Bed Standing, at MTC with Mook, Kente Corner, subscribe, rate. Let me know what I'm doing wrong. Until tomorrow.